Welcome to ATP Tennis Radio. After what has been another week of celebration of the world's best at the ABN AMRO World Tennis Tournament in Rotterdam. 5-2, 40-15, serve wide to the forehand, backhand volley put away. Federer says thank you very much to Rotterdam. He's the champion here for a third time. The first time in six years, the seventh win in succession against Dimitrov. They shake hands, condolences from Federer to the Bulgarian, just asking him how he is and hoping that uh, he'll recover soon. But clearly he couldn't find a way to recover in this final after that blistering early start from him. And Federer now takes the applause from the fans, the salute from the crowd. The world number one apparent. He will be on top of the rankings again tomorrow. And that was the icing on the cake. Indeed. Hello, it's Barry Milnes here with Naomi Cavaday. Very shortly, we'll take a look back at Roger Federer's latest title triumph, plus his return to the world number one ranking. But also coming up in this podcast, we'll discuss the specific skills required to be a successful indoor player and hear from two young talents just emerging on the ATP World Tour. So we came to Rotterdam with great expectations and of course Federer zipped through the week very nicely indeed to get to yet another final. But so did Grigor Dimitrov. He didn't drop a set all week coming into the showpiece. And then he started brilliantly, Naomi, didn't he? He was absolutely on fire with the first few games. And then it all faded away. It all fizzled out. It was very disappointing from him. But take nothing away from what Federer has done by winning a 97th title. Yes, we just had that moment at the beginning and we thought, oh, OK, right, this is going to be a real, real battle. Um, and Dimitrov did come out firing, but clearly something was really bothering him. We're not sure whether it was an illness, whether he felt you know, his leg or his back. We, that remains to be seen, but um, really just starting to struggle and it, it just all fell apart because he knows you have to be perfect, better than perfect, to beat Roger Federer in a final um, of, of a tournament like this on the indoor surface as well. He just absolutely had to be his best and he was nowhere near. Well, that is the story of the final today, but uh, the story of the walk of the week has uh, been Roger Federer's rise back up to top spot. Talk fans and fellow players alike. Bah, he's, uh, he's a special player, that's for sure. What he's doing uh, still at his age and uh, what he's still winning, winning his 20 Grand Slam, that's something really special. Uh, for sure, for me, he's the best uh, player ever to play and he's always uh, something amazing and special to watch him uh, win trophies. That's unbelievable. He's, uh, he's still winning even more than before and uh, um, I'm not surprised about his tennis because he has everything in his racket since the, the beginning of his career. So, um, but uh, I'm surprised how physically he can maintain that, uh, that, that level, how uh, he, can, um, he can play tournament after tournament at the, sa the same level physically. So uh, yeah, he's really strong. He knows uh, himself really well. So he knows when he has to rest, when he has to play, when he's 100% fit. So uh, uh, yeah, he's uh, really impressive. It's obviously great to see him with such success still and um, you know I don't think even he could have accept, uh, expected that you know 13 14 months ago when when he was still outside the top 10 you know winning three majors in the last you know five of them so it, it's great obviously it's Roger he's done so so much for the game already and he's, he has achieved so much already for the game so there's just it's just another thing that he has done obviously I'm not even surprised anymore from from his ability to to show up at a tournament for not playing for so long, even though he has now, but 
just show up at the tournament and playing and, and winning and like basically he's trying to break his own records that's uh, that's the best thing I mean you're kind of on uh, in a league on your own and obviously that's the reason why why he is what he is right now well, those are the views of Stan Wawrinka, David Goffin, Alexander Zverev and Grigor Dimitrov on the Swiss Maestros march back to number one in the world. We'll hear from Naomi very shortly, but first, let's see what the man himself had to say. Yes, it is a bit surreal. Um, yeah, and also, first time I got to world number one was back in 2004. Um, it's a long, long time ago. And like you said, it's been over four or five years now since I was world number one as well. And uh, I think particularly nice that I had to had to go get it, I had to win a match for it. Last time I got to world number one back in 2012 after winning Wimbledon, I got it like a week later on vacation. So I was sitting there and go like, oh, I'm world number one today. So this was a very different and uh, uh, just unbelievably happy. And uh, it's a bit surreal, absolutely. How did the nerves compare to other big occasions in your career? Um, I thought I was uh, pretty calm, you know. Um, I was. Uh, Woke up, had a good sleep, uh, watched the Olympics for three, four hours, and then got over to the to the tennis here, and uh, you know, just uh, had a normal warm up. Everything was uh, pretty routine, to be honest. Uh, my mind wasn't wandering left, right, and center like it was at the Australian Open. So I think I was, uh, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how I wanted to play. Um, I was backing myself that I could do it today. I think I was confident as well, and. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, enjoyable actually. A lot of people have asked me, so how how you handle all the pressure and stuff? But maybe it's helped me to be in a lot, a lot of big matches over the years. That today I was able to to actually handle quite easily. I mean, I think losing that first set definitely, you know, um, got my head spinning a little bit and uh, reminded me that I have to go get victory, and it's not going to be handed to me because uh, we had decided to go into the match a little bit more passive, a little bit more. Um, careful, I guess, you know, and let Robin beat me and I don't beat myself. And it backfired on us, so I had to change my plan and uh, start playing more aggressive. And that's when success came and I was able to break early in the second, early in the third. And then actually the, the final stretch was actually quite enjoyable, uh, you know, that uh, I, I started realizing I'm not going to lose this match anymore. I'm going to become world number one. Um, it was definitely a very special moment. Have you had a call from Rafa yet? Uh, no, I don't expect a call from him, you know, uh, he's done great, uh, I've done great, everybody's done great, to be honest, on the tour. Tour is a, tour is a good place, you know, and um, he finished world number one at the end of last year. I don't think it bothers him that I took over from here, from him this week, and uh, I'm sure to some extent he's happy for me, and uh, I was the same for him when he finished world number one at the end of last year. He, that was a record-breaking year for him, so, um, you know, we, we support each other in, 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 these, in these moments. Roger Federer talking about his ascent once again to the pinnacle of the men's game. Naomi, your thoughts on him now being the oldest ever world number one? Oh, just extraordinary, isn't it, really? I think he's, he's got a list of records, and he's just <laughs> crossing them out one by one now. Oldest ever number one. It's the, the longest time between being number one which is uh, five years I think longest time between the first day he was number one and that now being number one which is over 14 years which is just extraordinary it's an entire era and when you go back to that time when he was number one when he first got there that first week the rest of the top 10 read as follows Ferrero, Roddick, Correa, Agassi, Schuttler, Moya, Nalbandin, Philippoussis and Sri Chapan if you needed any more <laughs> sort of explanation or reason to understand how extraordinary this achievement that just does it because those players are long gone um and it's just it's just exceptional i mean what can you say across the whole of sport to dominate to be back dominating like that i mean he hasn't dominated the whole time let's be honest he did have that gap um 
but uh, yeah, and as uh, David Goffin was saying, just how can you be that fit for that long? How are you still playing? No one can understand how he's getting on the court. I don't think anyone's surprised with how he plays when he's on the court. He's still exceptional and is the best out there. But just being on the court, it's just it's remarkable. And surely a key to all this, aside from you know the, the God-given talent that he's had and all the hard work he's put in, is his ability to to raise the bar and to keep raising it. And, and here he is at 36, taking the game, do you feel, to a, an even greater height than it's been before? Well, I think so. I think, look, there's an element of a, of a sort of perfect storm for, for him and his era. And there are a number of athletes that I think come from a similar era because they got the, the wave of sports medicine and science and nutrition coming through. And, and that is why we're seeing a lot of athletes just go uh, incredibly well into their 30s. Um, but Federer up with uh, the absolute best of them. And I think that, you know, he is he's, he's responding. He's responding incredibly well. He, he had that time out and he came back and, and no one expected this. Um, but he came back with a new, and not only new, but a very much improved backhand, which was the one chink in the arm. It was tough to get it to the backhand because, to be honest, 90% of the court he takes on the forehand side anyway. But if you could get it to the backhand in a particular spot, repeatedly in a match, you had a really good chance. That's kind of gone now, really, because he can really come over the ball pretty well. He doesn't get forced into the slice as much, and it's, it's now a decision as to whether he wants to slice. So he's come back with a better game yet again and people have to go and rethink this he was asked in that interview about whether he'd heard anything from Rafa about it he said well I, I don't expect that but obviously that they have just been sort of so conjoined really as as these great players at the same time taking each other forcing each other to new heights and you could say had there not been a Nadal in the game when Federer was around that we may never have seen that backhand develop in the way he's now done because he really brought that almost Rafa specific didn't he at the start of last year and look what great things he did against Nadal to to get now into this position to become world number one again amazing of course that Agassi was the previous oldest men's uh, world number one. He was uh, 33 years young when he last did that. And he said on Twitter, 36 years, 195 days. Roger Federer continues to raise the bar in our sport. Congratulations on yet another remarkable achievement. And I mean, so say all of us. It, and there's no sign of it stopping, is there? No, he's just going to keep breaking this record <laughs> every week, isn't he? Or every day, it's, it's going to be, a, it's, it's his. And I think we do anticipate there's going to be a little bit of change um, between Federer and Nadal throughout, the, particularly the beginning part of the year, in terms of that number one spot. It's very, very close indeed. But he's got Indian Wells and Miami to defend, so a big chunk of points there, so an opportunity for Nadal. Then Nadal's got the clay court to defend, so then an opportunity for Federer. He may not even actually have to play the clay court season just if Nadal doesn't do as well. It will be about if they can't achieve it again, if they can't back that up the following year, then it will be given to the other uh, player. It's it's. I understand. I know that Fed has earned it this week by coming here and winning this tournament. That's what he set out to do. But I think it, when it swaps around, it will be more because one hasn't performed as well. It hasn't defended the title just because they had just extraordinary amounts of points to defend now. And obviously he's a master of the, the schedule and getting that right. So do you expect him again to, to forego on the clay court swing? I do. I do. I think... It just makes a lot of sense, especially with Rafa playing <laughs> so incredibly well. What's the point, right? Um, and I think it, it really helped him last year. Well, the ABN AMRO World Tennis Tournament is one of the most prestigious of the year. And whilst the players can take respite from uh, any inclement weather, there are certain skills required to be a successful indoor player. Just ask Grigor Dimitrov, Roger Federer, Alexander Zverev and David Goffin. I think it's just a little bit different for every player. 
I mean, some people really prefer to play indoors, other people prefer to play outdoors. You've got to be sharp, I think. You've got to be explosive, uh, you've got to be quick in your decision making. Um, very similar to fast court tennis outdoors, like in Australia, for instance, you know. Being indoors, you know, there's less variety maybe. You have to play aggressive, you have to really serve well as well. Um, that's an important thing. Sometimes people struggle with the light, you know, the artificial light for some makes it very difficult to see the ball, um, whereas outdoors maybe it's more clear. For me it's a little bit easier, maybe um, because you have a roof so uh, it's easier to find the rhythm on uh, your, your serve and also on your ground stroke so you can play a little bit more aggressive. Playing aggressive and playing forward and taking charge of the point is definitely um, what you should be doing indoors. You can definitely play a little bit more attractive tennis in terms of just uh, attacking the ball a little bit more. You know, there's no wind, no sun, so everything is pretty constant. So you can try to use um, and go for a little bit more uh, while you play. Well, Naomi, did you enjoy playing indoors? Absolutely. I loved playing indoors. It is fast, it's furious. Um, and I, just picking up on something that Roger Federer said, uh, the movement is so different. You have to be really, really sharp. There's two types of movement that, that players work on. That's having chasing speed and responsive speed. Chasing speed is anything really where you break out into a full run. You get a lot of it on the clay all of the elongated rallies, uh, chasing around at the back of the court, that's all your chasing speed, really, pure defence. Um, the responsive speed is about the sharpness, you're still facing forwards as you're move, make, moving, you might only be moving one or two steps, but you've got to do it quickly because Roger Federer is coming at you the other end, ball shooting through the court. Um, and, and really, for the indoor court, it's all about the responsive speed. To be honest, chasing speed doesn't really do you much good at all on a surface like this. Even though it's not particularly fast for an indoor court, you just don't have the wind and the sun or, or anything really to slow the ball down. Um, so the, the court helps players a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's all about that sharp movement first step. There have been plenty of other good stories throughout the week in Rotterdam, and none more so than 17-year-old Felix Auger-Aliassime. I had some good wins last, last year on the Challenger Tour, but never really had the chance to, uh, to play uh, an ATP uh, main draw event. So, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, when I ended my, my tournament last week, uh, I started really thinking about uh, this week and my first round. I'm obviously really excited. Getting used to playing on big stages uh, on the center courts, I think it's different from maybe from most of the Challenger, uh, Challenger tournaments. At the same time, uh, I think I really focus on, on myself. You know, there's a lot of things that I want to improve, but uh, I'll take it, you know, one point at a time and we'll see what happens. Having a chance to, uh, to practice with my, uh, with my idol, Roger, from, from when I was growing up, it was, it was unbelievable. It was, it was good to see him again, uh, you know, uh, after seeing him in all of the off-season. And uh, obviously, saw obviously all the best players like Stan and uh, and Goffin earlier. So uh, you know, it's exciting to to be in the same draw as these players. It's special. It's like uh, when you finish, I guess, uh, elementary school and you go to high school for the first time. It's exciting. Kind of feels like a like a new start, a first ATP event, kind of a new start of my uh, really like official career. So uh, you know, it's it's all exciting stuff. I think uh, a lot of new things starting this week, playing my first main draw an ATP event, but uh, you know, it's uh, last year, you know, kind of get the first taste of the professional level, but uh, now uh, playing with the, the big guys in the, in the big circuit, uh, starting to play uh, main draw of some ATP tournaments, qualities of some, 
uh, it's going to be different, but uh, I'd love to be, you know, close to, to the top 100, maybe at the end of the year. You know, you never know what's going to happen, but what I really want to do, I want to do everything I can in my control. I want to, you know, train as well as I can, prepare as well as I can, and just go out there and fight uh, as good as I can on, on, the, on every matches and every tournament. Felix Oje Aliazim, who is a 17-year-old from Canada. Great expectations uh, for him. He was uh, coming into this week to make his ATP World Tour debut. And uh, although he was beaten in the opening round by uh, the Serbian, Filip Krajinovic, uh, it was a tough old match that uh, Krajinovic eventually got through 7-5 in a final set. So from uh, Aliazim's uh, point of view, I would have thought that was a pretty good start for him, just to sort of get involved, get on the main tour and uh, have a match like that, Naomi. Yeah, and this tournament really does have a strong history of awarding wild cards to uh, youngsters uh, to give them a chance. And, and of course, the 500s have to compete for you know players playing at their events, so it puts them in good favour. Dimitrov received one who's very young, so did Federer, and you know they like to come back to a tournament that's given them that chance. So Felix Auger, Aliassime, it's such a good choice as well, I think, to receive that sort of wild card. I mean, he's breaking some of the records of his own, not complete records, but he was the youngest player in the top 200 since the in 2002 and he's been the youngest to do a fair amount of things uh, on, on the circuit um, coming up so uh, just high high hopes for him he's just a phenomenal player I mean really he is and he's so young but he seems so mature on the court what particularly stands out for you in terms of uh, the, 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 the shot making but also in terms of mentality yeah, well, he's got elements of flashiness to his game, as all the youngsters do, really. Uh, um, he's been inspired by Federer and uh, Songa, and you, you can see that. You can really see that he loves the shot-making, but he also brings fantastic movement to the court. He moves up and back really well. He's really sharp onto anything that drops short, and a lot of the time with youngsters, you see really strong sideways movement, but the forwards and backwards movement needs to develop a little more, but he's already got that in bucket loads. And just... Mentally, he just, I mean, he carries himself, as I say, so maturely on the court. It's amazing to think. He looks very young in the face. Um, so when you look at him, you can see that he's only 17, but it's amazing to think that he is with what he's doing. And not only have Canada got him to uh, to look forward to watching for many years and doing some great things, but of course, Denis Shapovalov as well. They're great buddies. They, they, they obviously help each other, pushing each other on, you know, trying to emulate the, the other, overtake them. It's a great time to come in together at a sort of similar age to the sport, isn't it? Yeah, and it just works that way, doesn't it? When it's somebody from your own nation that you've grown up with and you know really well, it, it, it just really helps, I think, you know, make you realise that you can achieve these things. And of course, they have had Milos Raonic in terms of the uh, Canadian players doing incredibly well. Um, but to have somebody of the same age, they, they get on very well. Um, and it, I think it's just knowing somebody inside out. And when, when they achieve something, you know, Shapovalov is, is, is a little bit ahead in his development. He's also a year older. But if when he uh, achieves things, then uh, you kind of look at him and think, hey, I, I can do that. I know this guy. I was beating him in practice the other day. I can definitely do that. And it does just give you that extra bit of confidence. And it... it it, it makes your dreams not seem so far away when somebody else is achieving them that you know really well. Who knows, maybe in the next uh, decade or so, uh, Canada Davis Cup champions could be, but uh, if those two play together in the team for their country, it might well happen. Well, another man achieving firsts in Rotterdam this week was the Dutch tennis player Talon Griekspoor, who had never won a set on the main ATP World Tour, but conspired to knock out the former champion and number five seed Stan Wawrinka in front of his own fans. 
unbelievable. Uh, the biggest match of my life, playing for my home crowd. A night match against such a big champion is uh, unbelievable to win this match. And you lost the first set before you won the second, and then you broke straight away in the third. What was the turning point for you, and how did you sort of bring yourself back after losing the first set? Well, I already found out that at like the end of the first set there were some chances. I didn't. I, I think I had lost 40 at 4-3 down. I felt there was something. His, he was a little bit struggling with the knee. I knew I had to use the forehand corner. I went for it, and I think the break in the first game of the second set helped me a lot. And what about the crowd? How is it in there in that indoor arena with the crowd, you know, behind you? Well, that's unbelievable, especially a night match for my home crowd here. My first ATP win against such a big champion. It's just unbelievable. And to start the year so well, you must be feeling really confident now. Well, yeah, it's my first match of the year. Actually, came back from an injury, didn't play yet this year. So I was struggling a little bit from the beginning. But uh, I'm actually, I don't know. I don't even know how I won and how I did it. Well, he sure did. He came through in the end, 4-6-6-3-6-2 to knock out Vavrinka. Of course, uh, the next round, it didn't quite go so well, but that was up against a fellow Dutchman, Robin Haase, who's uh, been through all this, the expectations, and has been on the tour for many years. So it's, it's small steps, but that was a significant moment, even so, for Greek sport to have had that win. Yeah, it, it is a huge, uh, huge win for him. I hope he does go and figure out how he did it because he needs to try and do it again. <laughs> he can't just say, oh, I don't know how it happened and then move on. Uh, definitely sit down, watch the videos, figure out how on earth he won that match. I mean, look, Vavrinka was not at 100%. Um, he, his, he was clearly struggling with his knee, with the movement out into the forehand corner. But with Vavrinka, his game is not built around his movement. His game is built around his big strike, and that was not taken away because of the knee injury. So credit to Greek Spore for still coming through that match. It was not given to him at all. I mean, Vavrinka was still ripping winners from all over the place, as he can. Um, but he did really well to stay calm, work it into that forehand corner, get him on the stretch, and, uh, and come through for... Well, it's his biggest win of his career. It's surely going to be the biggest for some time because uh, Vavrinka, of course, still ranks so highly. But uh, it'll be an interesting one to watch this uh, Greek sport. Yes, uh, certainly some of the forehands he hit in that match. Uh, yeah, I remember those and might for a while yet. But for Vavrinka, just a follow-up on that. that. That is surely a concern because he's come back from the knee surgery. It looked like he came back too soon, do you feel? Um, yeah, I think a lot of... Well, I mean, I was slightly confused when he came back to, to play in Australian Open, to be honest. It was a very late decision. Um, you know, he, he turned up and was not 100% with his movement, with his knee. Um, he had a very large scar on his knee, which... Uh, really looked quite fresh to be honest didn't look I mean it was healed but it, it didn't look like it was uh, that long ago and um, felt like it was maybe unnecessary but then look you know he's always talked about that he'd rather be on the match court than on the practice court um, and maybe he feels like the best way to get back to his level is to get back into playing matches it has been a long time and um, whilst he's still getting his fitness up as well off the court and trying to do it at the same time uh, rather than getting the fitness first before playing um, I think, look, he, he has had some wins, though, so it, it's not like he just can't really play very well, but I think maybe the knee was a little bit tired because he'd had a few wins before, and, I, yeah, it just wasn't quite uh, quite 100% for him. So I, I wouldn't say worrying, um, but it's, um, it's a frustrating start for him. And just briefly, looking back at uh, what else we've seen in the week, um, honourable mention perhaps to... Uh Andreas Seppi for getting through as far as he did to uh, the semi-finals before losing to Federer. But on the way, of course, he knocked out Sasha Zverev and then followed that up with a, a straight set, uh, sorry, three-set win over Daniel Medvedev, who's been in some form as well. So well done to the Italian. Yeah, what a year he's had. Kicked off with fourth round of the Australian Open, losing to Kyle Edmund. He had a win over Karlovic in the third round, 9-7 in the fifth. 
It's the only way you can beat Karlovic, I think, in the Grand Slams. But uh, he was playing brilliantly. He's full of confidence. Uh, yeah, he's had a fantastic week. Nice to see him back playing the tennis we saw from him a couple of years ago. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, ATPWorldTour.com and the official ATP apps, this is ATP Tennis Radio. Indeed it is. So that's uh, just about it from us uh, for this time. But please join us in a week's time for the final of the Rio Open presented by Claro. And in the meantime, do check out the weekly podcast available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn and the ATP website, as well as the 24-7 ATP Tennis Radio channel, which continues to bring you interviews, features and daily news outside of the live coverage. Just click on the listen button at the top of the homepage of the ATP World Tour website. Well, my thanks to Naomi Cavaday. I'm Barry Milnes, and you've been listening to ATP Tennis Radio. 5-2, 40-15, serve wide to the forehand, backhand volley put away. Federer says thank you very much to Rotterdam. He's the champion here for a third time. The first time in six years, the seventh win in succession against Dimitrov. They shake hands, condolences from Federer to the Bulgarian, just asking him how he is and hoping that uh, he'll recover soon. But clearly he couldn't find a way to recover in this final after that blistering early start from him. And Federer now takes the applause from the fans, the salute from the crowd, the world number one apparent. He will be on top of the rankings again tomorrow. And that was the icing on the cake. <laughs>